And it was funny, when we raised the price, they actually were more grateful for what they were getting and listened more and actually implemented what they were learning more. Leading Matters with Joel Caparelli. Episode 31 of Leading Matters. My guest today is Amanda Holmes. Amanda is the CEO of Chet Holmes International, also known as CHI. And it was founded by her father, Chet Holmes, who passed away at the age of 55 from leukemia, I believe. And Amanda inherited the company, uh, acted in the role of chairman for a little bit, tried to find some leaders, but ultimately took over the helm of CEO of CHI at the age of 24, I believe it was. There's a great Inc. article that I'll link in the show notes. I'd encourage you to read that. Um, it, and she's had success. Look, and that's I always have successful leaders on the show, and we talk about mission, purpose, and values. I mean, that's the big thrust of this. We talk about it for the purpose of how do we you know, map out where we're headed as a company and how do we translate our strategy down to a level of tactics, and then how do we keep our employees engaged all along the way. So that, that, you know, if you're a frequent guest, you know that's what we ultimately drive at. Um, but that's why I have successful leaders on. So she did have success. She's doubled growth uh, in the past two years running. She's uh, increased lead flow by a ridiculous volume. I think she says something like 2,000% or something outrageous like that. Um, but that's not the story here. What, what I, This is a, you know, one thing I'm, I'm doing in 2016, I'm trying to mix it up a little, little bit, trying to get a little bit of a more diverse voice on. I've had authors of political books on. I had a woman that talked about the public health crisis of uh, pornography and how business leaders should respond to that. So we really try to mix it up a little bit because I think the, 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 the life aspect of all those things I just talked about, the mission, the passion, um, uh, the purpose rather, the values of what we do, and then how we drive it down to a tactical level from our strategy, all those things inherent in all of those are the lives of the people that work for us. And that's why I think this one with Amanda is so unique because one thing you're going to find here is Amanda wears her spirituality on her sleeve. She talks about it quite freely. Um, and it's just, I, I mean, I can't even, I'm, I'm humbled by it in, in a way because she's really uh, not afraid to clearly communicate how it impacts, you know, what she does, uh, makes it clear. She offers up a really good example about uh, raising prices. Uh, you know, so I, I kind of pressed her on. I said, hey, can you give me one specific example of how this style of leadership that you've adopted has impacted the actual operational realities of your business? And she didn't really blink an eye. She got into a great discussion of um, the karmic exchange of price, which I found, you know, great. It was a really great take on that. Uh, she's a young professional. She'll be around for quite a while. You're going to learn quite a bit from her. Um, in the next 30 minutes or so. And I, I want to keep going on about it because when I meet somebody new like like Amanda and I gain insight into how they're executing on a daily basis and how they're doing all the things that we love to talk about here, I'm, I just want to go on and on about it. But you didn't come here to hear me talk. You came to probably listen to Amanda. So forgive me for going on for three minutes or so. And let's get into it now. My interview on Leading Matters with the CEO of Chet Holmes International, Amanda Holmes. All right, I want to do something a little bit different with the way I introduce my guest today. So assuming that you're not driving, 
Uh, I want you to do me a favor, and again, make sure you're not driving because this, this little exercise would be tragic if you were. But close your eyes for a minute and try to imagine that you're in your young 20s. Maybe you've just completed your music degree, let's say, at, the, at USC. And now you're off to chase your passion, to live and breathe your art for maybe the rest of your life. Maybe you mix in some studies of alternative medicine along the way. But suddenly you're faced not just with a family tragedy, but a really hard choice. And that hard choice is do you live out the vision that maybe you had for your life? Or do you courageously let that vision go in favor of working on the dreams of someone else? Maybe someone who was very close to you. And maybe that someone was your father. Now, that's pretty heavy, right? Stuff kind of the movies that made up, uh, the kind of the stuff that movies are made of. Well, for my next guest, Amanda Holmes, it was no movie at all. Amanda is the CEO of Chet Holmes International and the daughter of its namesake. After her father's passing, Amanda got involved in the multi-million dollar sales, coaching, and training business that her father had built. And at 24 years old, she became the CEO. And since then, she's helmed some transformative years for the company and some very healthy growth. And, and Kendall, I've, I've seen her speak. I've heard her speak. I'm thrilled to have her on the show today. So, Amanda, before anything else, I want to take just one minute and thank you so much for joining me today on Leading Matters. Oh, my pleasure, Joel. My pleasure. <laughs> okay, great. So, listen, I want to get right into it. And I want to uh, start right where, where you started on this little journey of yours. And, you know, I, again, I've read a lot and I would encourage my audience to go look at your story a little bit. But when you began at Chet Holmes International, how did you orient yourself to the business? Okay, now maybe I know that you obviously grew up around it, but you know, getting involved in it is a different set of uh, you know rules all, all together. So I've yeah. read that you did quite a lot of listening. So what I'm what I'm curious about is, could you share with the audience some of the inside details of those early days and and why it was important to do so much listening? Oh man, yeah. So like you had said. Um, I really didn't have a background in the business. Um, I was actually studying under my mentor, who's a saint from India. Her name is Guruji, uh, in one of her ashrams in Asia when they called and said that my father was passing away. So I was, you know, really on this self-realization path and teaching meditation. And then to come back home, my father to pass away. I remember a couple of days after the funeral, uh, I asked his assistant to send me a P&L of the business. And I just remember sitting in my room looking at this P&L and sobbing, which probably for other people would be really excited, maybe if they were interested in business because, mm -hmm. you know, it was a multimillion dollar company with, you know, <laughs> over 200 staff and, you know, all of these 12 different divisions and all this stuff. And I looked at it and I just... And I just thought, holy cow, I'm really here all alone and I have to manage this. I don't even know what these things are on this PL. Like, I don't even know what <laughs> divisions do. So, from that, um, thank God it was a virtual company because I would listen in on these calls and I would just be silent on mute because I was crying. Because um, sure, sure. I, you know, I was just trying to like grasp the world. I had no idea how to function with, with the loss of my father, you know, 55 and yeah. um, trying to grapple with that while also just saying, you know, this is this, my father worked at this for 20 years. You know, I really have, what can I do to make sure that this survives? And my father has a legacy and, you know, to fast, uh, well, your question was, 
um, you know, things are a lot better now and I really love it and we've been doing great things. So let me just <laughs> say that. <laughs> you mean, you mean you're not crying on conference calls anymore? <laughs> no, it's been a while since I sobbed on a conference call. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in the last two years, we've doubled our business the last two years running and increased our lead flow by 2,700%. So things are good now. But in in those first initial phases, it really was listening. It was asking a bunch of questions. And honestly, because I just didn't know anything about the business. And I, I realized that everyone wanted to be my best friend because I was this young, impressionable person that would just believe everything that everyone told me. And then I started realizing that people were kind of lying and trying <laughs> to get on my good side. And so it wasn't just listening. It was discerning between eight people's stories to figure out what the truth was mm-hmm. and trusting myself and trusting my intuition. And And really, I have so much of the success of the business and me being able to step in as CEO, uh, my thanks to my mentor, actually, Guruji, because she taught me to follow my intuition, right? Mm-hmm. To trust that little voice inside that everyone has. You go, ah, I should have listened to that. Well, that was huge for me um, to be able to take all the information that everyone gave me and then go, okay, I... I'm making this decision because it's truly what I feel is in the best interest of my staff, of my clients, and, you know, the betterment of the world. I really wake up every day praying that I am a conduit of light and love. Like, I I really just want to spread that to the universe. And that's really what took me from going chairman into being CEO was saying, you know what? I don't think I, I want to make sure that our clients are taken care of and that CEOs know that their job and their life can be easier and and we can grow your sales and marketing. Let's just make this so that it can run more smoothly, so that it can run faster, better, smarter. Um, sure. So I think I answered like eight questions. <laughs> well, you know what? No, I listen, this is a big reason why I wanted to have you on the show because your your attitude, the positive energy that you bring to this equation, I mean it's infectious, quite frankly. And what I what I find what I find curious about it is that listen, this was a radical transition from where you thought you were headed to where you ended up, right? And that, that little bit about like having to all of a sudden discern in a new way was kind of a foreign territory to you, right? I mean, listen, I, I'm a part of the show is to help people understand that when we're running our business or our teams or even our own personal you know, careers, that the, the vision and the mission that we're on has to be real and tangible. I mean, is that part of what helped you through that, that process of understanding how to take on this new discipline of discernment is to really, hey, what is the mission that we really intended to be on here? <sighs> yeah, you know what? I think that the discernment and the intuition really came from a place of wanting to understand myself first and foremost, because, you know, the saying truth will set you free. You know, there, there is so much, uh, that abundance that I've been able to create with CHI comes from a commitment to myself to find that abundance within me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'm getting too esoteric here, but that intuition is also just me saying, I want to be, I want to feel contentment within me so that no matter what I do, it comes from a place of, you know, truth and honesty. And I'm very transparent. And uh, I really, 
work on that authenticity and it starts with me. So then whatever else happens, um, the success of the business has come from that flow of I'm committed to myself to take care of myself and then can take care of, you know, businesses around the world and everything else. Sure. Well, you know what, what I find enlightening in in your response there is that that's a, look, as the way business runs today, that's not a natural uh, muscle memory for for many people, right? So I'm wondering if, if it was disarming for some of the people that were maybe trying to you know, gather your confidence and trust along the way for self-serving purposes, let's say. Let's just hypothetically say that was something you had to face. I mean, did this approach this? Because, look, what you're describing is a leadership style, right? And you live it very true to who you are and how and it seems to be from the outside in how you lead. Was it a disarming thing for some others around you to have that style kind of, uh, you know, overlay this business that they've, they, they were in for many years? Um... So when I first inherited the company, I stepped in as chairman. I made myself chairman so that the CEOs and the division heads could all report to me and uh, I would have some kind of control, even though I didn't want it at all. <laughs> Originally, I didn't want nothing to do with it. But then I went through a lot of different leadership. I... I hired and and passed on about three different CEOs before I stepped in as CEO. And um, it was very different in leadership style. And it did definitely show me that if you don't have the right leader uh, in the organization, that everything else is at jeopardy. So, uh, you know, things were running great with my father. But then when he left, it was as if it, the things that we sold, which were still being delivered by the same people, we were still selling them the same way, but just my father not being there because he hadn't been a part of the day-to-day business for years. You know, mm-hmm, he sure. was just being on the business. So he wasn't actually assisting businesses. We have coaches and consultants and writers and researchers that do all of that. So the, but the heart of the company was lost and Uh, I found some people and, you know, I have to be political here a bit because not everybody was this way, but there were some people that just felt that, you know, they wanted to make their retirement or they, you know, they saw the money and they, the, and they said, you know, okay, I can just cash out here. And I wasn't like that at all. I was more like, you know what, what matters to me most is that these clients get served is that these business owners know that entrepreneurial spirit is what keeps this world running. You know, we, we, we're the people that uh, give everyone jobs, <laughs> and, and by the way, we're uh, we're we're. Uh, I'm also periscoping at the same time here. Joel said it was sure. okay, and I love that <laughs> Louise Ambition Live said mic drop, <laughs> and now we're saying boom. Yes, Marcel, I love it. Um, I just wanted to include you guys since you're here live. I appreciate that. No, um, I'm happy to have them. Yes, yes. So. Um, yeah, my my fire and fever for wanting to make sure that they were being taken care of uh, overtook my fear of stepping in as CEO. And then that became my leadership uh, tactic wow. or strategy, which I, I hadn't originally thought of it that way. It was just, you know, I've always come from a place of wanting to help people. So, you know, and I continue to work on that. And my, my teacher always says, you can't help people until you help yourself. Uh, so that self-realization part kind of comes in as well, but, um, sure. 
yeah, just trying to spread that 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 love, especially when it comes to sales and marketing. Oh my <laughs> God, can we make that so it's not a dirty word anymore? Because yes. it doesn't have to be. You're you're assisting people to get what they need, and sometimes, you know, uh, yeah. Well, now, I, you know, what? I, I I love that, right? Have you, you know, I'm, I was going to get to this later, but I ask all my guests this, so I'm sorry to put you on the spot if you haven't read it. But have you read the Challenger Sale by any chance? No, but I do. Wait, who who wrote that? Uh, Matt Dixon and Brent Adamson from uh, Chief Executive Board wrote it. It's about it's about. Oh. I'm sorry. So it's about ten years old or so. But anyway, or five years old. But anyway, um, it what because when I was you know kind of preparing for this, when I discovered you, uh, you know, when I invited you on the podcast, a couple, I guess your Inc. Uh, article came out about a year or so ago, whatever it was. I remember reading that and saying, "Wow, well, I really would like to talk to Amanda at some point," right? But this book challenger sale comes to mind as what you just said is can we make marketing and sales not a dirty word because this and for the benefit of you and my listeners that might not have read it and if you listen to my show you know I always go on about this book but the idea is that this like pain solution approach to kind of game your customers into buying your services is is really not the ultimate way to serve them it's to be prescriptive about what they might not even know they don't know yet right so educate them and a lot of the things that, that you guys talk about at Shed Homes International, right? So I love the the idea of, hey, how do I truly get into this business to serve? And that that's really what I think shines through your leadership style is that it really feels like a genuine, honest-to-goodness search for service. So there's a, I promise there's a question buried here somewhere, right? So the, the question is how do you – like? Aligning, look, that, that's how you feel about it. I find that great leaders feel that way about their, their work and their, their, um, their, their vocation, if you will. But how do you align a team against that which is important to you? So maybe they're not naturally disposed to, hey, we want to make our marketing and sales all about service. Uh, how do you help them adopt that and kind of internalize it so it's not just your idea being imposed upon them, but they really are, are you know, attach themselves to it and, and are engaged with it? Uh, I fired a lot of people, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> There's another mic drop right there, right? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, Anthony on Periscope is saying training, but I, I agree but to some extent, there's just some people that want to assist people and there's others that don't. So there's a piece of that, you know, that is just inherent in that person and you look for those people. Um, but as a company culture, how important is it to have that company culture where people know it's okay to care about your clients and to serve them, you know? And, yeah. hey, let's remind our clients that. So we have core values, the four C's, creativity, concern, care and courage. So these four C's are how we should treat every client. We should be courageous on behalf of our clients. So whether they say yes or no, that they're interested in us, be courageous enough to overcome that to say, okay, where are they stuck? Because I know that they're going to get more out of their lives, out of their business, if they get our assistance. So how can I be courageous to overcome when they won't even think it themselves? How can I be concerned? Um, how can I be creative? How can I think outside of the box to make sure that they get the solution that they need? And what do I need to do? It's not just about a cold call or an email or, you know, a webinar. It's, it's what can I do to take it to make them say, wow, to make them just realize, wow, this person really cares about me as an individual. Um, uh, and, and the care and uh, what uh, care concern, uh, I'm sorry, 
uh, care, concern, uh, courage, and commitment. Committing to them that you're going to make sure that they get what they need, right? So, uh-huh. so having that as a company culture is so key. That's so key. Well, look, I, I that's another one, and that that comes through loud and clear with really great leaders is that their values are much more than just the placard on the wall, right? They actually mean something to the leader, and therefore, <laughs> look, I love your candor here, right? Because if if you know, sometimes I see weaknesses in leaders that don't act quickly enough. So if you know somebody's never going to adhere to the culture, they're never going to adopt it, it seems like you want to take action, right? So I like that. But listen, Amanda, let me pivot here just a little bit. I know that, and again, I've listened to quite a number of your interviews in prep for today, and I know that so many people make an issue of your age, you know, uh, and, it, and it really, I get it, right, because you took over this large company at a young age. But I want to look at it from a different perspective here, right, and talk about self-confidence because, look, I'm a little bit older than you, and I could tell you that the further along I get in my career, the more that I see that just about everyone that I, I deal with in one way, shape, or form, whether it's in my personal life or in my professional life, struggles with self-confidence at some level, and that really their ability to lead, to be successful, many times has much more to do with their ability to handle those little bounce of confidence that come their way. So I'm, you, know, you, you exude confidence, quite frankly, and I'm curious if that's something that you faced along the way. And if so, how, how do you handle it? Um, Terry's saying, must be the haircut, not the age. You can't see my haircut. <laughs> I actually, uh, speaking of confidence, it, it ties back to that self-realization again because... Um, Really, it's it's not about what other people think about it. It's about what you think of yourself, which I recently I'm always trying to push the envelope in that regard. So I recently shaved my head and and I'm not talking like just a buzz, like with with a razor shaved all of my hair off. And (laughs) (laughs) I know it was uh, I'd been wanting to do it for about four years and and I finally did it and was. And I'm like, yes, this is my commitment to myself that I'm going to love myself no matter what I look like. I don't care what other people think. And then I hid for about three weeks. (laughs) And in Periscope, I didn't uh, go out. Well, I went out in public, but around people that didn't know me, I, you know, I really did everything I could to hide. And, um... And then subsequently since then, I've shaved it again about four or five times, and I've pretty much maintained it just to come to a place of peace within myself to realize that I can love myself and I can radiate from an inner love as opposed to looking for that outwardly. Uh, So I appreciate that you say that I have confidence because I feel like I, you know, there's still this this tug and pull of that. Um, But with my head shaved, I feel like I have gotten more not I feel like I have gotten more compliments about my smile, about how beautiful I am, and it's just so counterintuitive to what you would think. Um, <laughs> when you shave your head, it's like, oh my god, what did that girl do? Like, is she a cancer patient or something? But exact opposite, people just stop me. Like, I just took a trip to Infusionsoft, and they stopped three people stopped me in the airport to say, you are just so beautiful. I just have to say that. I'm like. Wow what is happening? And I guess that that it must be a confidence that you're picking up. And I, again, appreciate that. But it's really my own quest to find that within me. 
Well, no, I, I think that's a fair answer. Well, I think the takeaway for everyone here is we should all shave our heads. Is that it? <laughs> I will tell you, if you do it as a woman in a trade show, it's actually a really great tactic because everybody wonders what the heck you're up to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Max is saying it also avoids a bad hair day. Yeah, I don't have to. It completely takes out so many conversations that I used to have about my hair, about what I look like. It's just like, okay, that's out of the way. So now what can I focus on? Okay, I can focus on things that are of higher vibration or things that really do matter because how my hair falls, you know, I used to have very big, long, beachy, curly hair. And, you know, I might have to put it behind my ears or flip it over or put it up in a bun or I wonder how it's looking and all of that is now gone. Your style of leadership that is just kind of free and really service centric does has that can you give me an example of where and going back to your your values right where the the value underpinnings of where you're taking Chet Holmes International can you give me an example of where that selflessness and that service centric behavior has helped some reality some some tangible reality of the day-to-day business hmm. yeah I mean it's an interesting thing because uh, also coming from this very this self-realization world, I think sometimes people feel that if they're spiritual, that means that they don't have money. Um, and uh, when I think of how I price my products, let's say, I don't I, I really try to meditate actually and come up with what would be the perfect karmic exchange. So I went from charging $4.95 for a group coaching format where it would be like 15 CEOs on a call once a week, every week for, for, for eight weeks. Um, it's one of the things that we offer. Uh, I took it at $4.95 and then I realized that I was doing my clients a disservice because I was undervaluing what we were giving mm. and it actually hurt them because then they didn't take as much time to listen to uh, these sessions. They they valued it at $4.95. So I actually bumped up our price to $9.97 a month and we ended up uh, having the same, if not, I think a couple more uh, people buy than the, than the time previously just by doubling how much we charge, which you would think me saying, oh, well, giving to my clients always means, you know, what deal can I give them? You know, what what thing can I give them for free? And yes, I have those. And of course, you know, I have my lead magnets and I have my opt-ins on my website and I have my free webinars and they all give great value. But I want to use this example because it just shows that what can you do to serve them? In this case, it was, I'm going to raise the price so that they value the time that they spend more. And it was funny, when we raised the price, they actually were more grateful for what they were getting and listened more and actually implemented what they were learning more. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ultimately, it's, um, you know, if you can look at things as a karmic exchange, it's a really cool way to look at money. Um, and I, 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 you know, there's a plenty more that I could still do to understand that, but, but coming from a place of what can I do to, to help them, uh, become more profitable, make their lives easier. And a lot of that is also, I interviewed Clay Collins this week, uh, CEO of lead pages. Mm -hmm. He said it was so key to get 
client feedback. I think that a lot of people think that they can build a product or build a service and then start selling it and people will want it. But it's really, you got to know what they want. You got to find that product market fit. Um, so that takes continual feedback from your clients, uh, understanding and, and molding to make sure that you have something that they truly need that will either save them time, money, energy, make them happier. You know, you have to have something that's truly of value. And if you come from that place of instead of what do I need to make sure that I'm making the most profit possible, you know, if you're only focused on you and how much do I need to, you know, make rent this month or how much do I need to pay my employees this month or, you know, me, 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 try it. Just, just test it even for a day or a week or a month of what would be the best thing that I could do for my clients. What do they need the most? And if you start thinking about them, you go into a whole nother frequency. It's a whole nother flow. That's great. That's a fantastic answer. I love that too. Uh, I hope I'm not gushing too much, but I really do. Again, like I said, your your positive approach to it is really infectious. I, I appreciate that. And and listen, I, in that vein, I want to ask you one more question, Amanda, because you strike me as the person who has kind of a, an insatiable thirst for, for more knowledge and more experience, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm curious, how, how do you keep yourself self-educated? Are there any books that you, you've read recently? Is there one podcast? Like, what's your go-to to keep yourself sharp and, and educated? Yeah, um, my biggest place that I learn is actually with my mentor. Like I've mentioned her a couple of times. Um, she has a nonprofit called uh, divine bliss. So divine bliss international.org. You could go there and she has a weekly webinar that she does. Uh, and, and I take a couple of different classes from her. I'm a, I'm a very raving fan of what she does. Um, just coming back to that self-realization, self-awareness, you know, even Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, you know, the, the leading guy in social media is talking about his, you know, I was just saw a keynote of his last week and his biggest takeaway is, you know, it's about my EQ, not my IQ, his emotional intelligence, you know, the awareness that he has of himself. So mm -hmm. that's where I study the most. Great. Well, that's, that's good. Thank you for sharing that. So listen, I'm going to leave it there. I think it's a great place to kind of wrap it up. And, um, uh, so let me just kind of tell my audience one last time who you've been speaking to. You've been speaking with Amanda Holmes. She is the CEO of Chet Holmes, the company that bears her late father's name. She took over that company when she was just 24 years old. Uh, and that was only about a short three years ago, I believe. Uh, so listen, I'm sure if you've not heard of Amanda, I guarantee you, you're probably going to go look her up right now because her positive energy, as I've said many times in this call, is infectious. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm so thankful to have had this 20 minutes or so to have her on the show to share some of her wisdom and the importance of service to my audience here on Leading Matters. So, Amanda, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to help us understand the style that you've adopted that's worked for you that we could maybe adopt a little bit of our own. Thank you so much. Mm, my pleasure, Joel.